Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Tori. You can find me on Twitter at Tori underscore says, as well as Gab Tori underscore says. And always, Monday through Friday, noon to 2 Eastern time on Red State Talk Radio. And feel free to shoot me an email anytime at Tori at Tori says dot com. So it's January 14, 2019. Oh my gosh, there is so much to talk about today. Um, And a lot of things that I need to point out because a lot of people are misunderstanding a few moves that the president is doing. And, you know, I can't say that I'm right, but the only thing I can do is offer you perspective. And for those of you that have been listening to my show where we've talked about pipelines, um, I'll elaborate on that. So before we start, I just wanted to play my favorite clip uh, of our president so far, which is just a minute that I'm going to play it, okay? Just one minute of it, and then we'll revisit it. Because I know a lot of you didn't listen to the whole interview uh, President Trump gave with Janine Pirro. Uh, There are portions of it. Obviously, it's online. But I thought I would just pull out the most important stuff, and this is one of the most important. Have a listen. I love doing it, the whole thing. But this will turn out to be very important because people are going to be exposed that nobody ever thought possible. Well. Exposed. People are going to be exposed that no one ever thought would be possible. Uh, That is something you need to pay attention to. Uh, Because I, I know a lot of people are saying, well, we have all this information. We know that they're guilty. They've done all this. Yes, but you're waving it around. When you wave a lot of information around... It doesn't usually hold substance because then you have the mainstream media dismissing it, not reporting it, or then the paid puppets, those that have, I would say, some form of interest to lobby for these corrupt individuals that will trash you, that will mock you, that will troll you. That's the way it goes. The only way you can lock anybody up, remove anyone from office is by taking them through the process, through the courts where they themselves pull their own pants down. And this is exactly what we're going to see in all of 2019. 
I also wanted to point out back in the beginning of January, you know, um, and, you know, in December where I was talking about all these Republicans that are siding with the Democrats, I had made a statement that we can recall every single senator, every single congressman, because I myself have started that process. Now, to recall your senator or congressman, you know, there are laws protecting them per se. There are about 13 states that allow you to remove your congressperson. But here's the thing. The most fastest way to get them removed, the easiest way is to do what I do. And that's file a criminal complaint. And there's a lot of us throughout the United States that have done so that are providing some testimony behind closed doors. And so there is always a way because you have to remember these people have been elected to serve you. And when they are not serving you, that's when they need to go. And this goes for Republicans and Democrats alike. Now, over the weekend, I wrote, uh, wrote up a piece and I had a lot of questions from a lot of listeners and avid readers about it. And I thought maybe we can deconstruct that too today. So I'm just telling you what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to talk about the pipelines. We're going to talk about how our president is disabling international support for these corrupt clowns within our nation. I'm going to talk about Puerto Rico. I'm going to talk about money because it all leads back to the wall. We're going to talk about a crash that no one's talking about, which is very important, and how that leads to China, and maybe a few other things. I mean, where do we start? There's like so much. Maybe we can start, um, you know, we know our president is going down to um, Louisiana today to talk to farmers. I thought we could listen to him and his little briefing right now prior to leaving. Um, This was just a, a few hours ago. Take a listen. Uh, I've fast forwarded through the part where he really liked the snow and said it was beautiful, but they removed it. And the fact that he's waiting for a team, the national champions to come, and that he's going to feed them fast food because that's kind of what they like, a weather permit. So here's where, you know, he starts getting questions and it's pretty explosive. Take a listen. Uh, We have a very big crisis, a humanitarian crisis on the border. Everybody knows it. They know it. And many of them are saying, we agree with you. Many of them are calling and many of them are breaking. The Republicans are rock solid. We've got to take care of our border. Many of the people, they're all going to get their money. Many of the people that aren't being paid right now are in total agreement with us. You saw the Border Patrol agents. You saw what was happening. They're in total agreement with us. So we'll see how it all goes. I will tell you this. We have a priority. It's the safety of our nation. The southern border has been horrible for decades, and it's now, because of the success of our country, it's now at a level that we cannot put up with. The Democrats have to do something. We need their votes, otherwise we can't solve it. Remember, he said priority is safety, the national security. And now that our economy is booming, remember, he has to keep saying it. 
because our economy is indeed domestically booming. Forget what's going on globally. We'll talk about that. But domestically, we have jobs. People are working and um, less people are on, you know, state and federally funded aid. But no one's talking about that. You know, they're kind of looking at the stock market. Yeah, meh. it kind of went up, but it's going down. No, that's all dependent, not on just our growth, but global. So it's interdependent when you look at that numbers. But when we're talking about just us, we're booming. Let's listen to what else he says. Without their votes, they now control the House. Let's see if they can lead. I don't know that they can lead. They own the shutdown. What did you say? Well, that was a suggestion that Lindsay made, but I did, I did reject it, yes. I So Lindsey Graham, as you all know, I loathe Lindsey Graham. I don't trust him. He is uh, a black hat, as others would call it. I do not trust him at all. He is the one that drives the conversation. And people, for some reason, think he's a patriot. He's not. The times that he shows bouts of telling the world or the press uh, things like, let's talk about tribunals. He didn't do that to support tribunals. He did that to let the deep state know what's up. And him recommending that we open it up for a little bit so we can negotiate indicates that his money's hurting. And I urge all of you to look at his financials and see where his investments are. But let's continue. I'm not interested. I want to get it solved. I don't want to just delay it. I want to get it solved. I just don't know anything about it. I read it this morning. Uh, it's a lot of fake news. That was a very good meeting. It was actually a very successful meeting. And I have those meetings with everything. I just know nothing about it. It was a very, very successful meeting. We talked about Israel. We talked about uh, the pipeline that Germany is paying Russia a lot of money. I don't think it's appropriate. We talked about that. Talked about many subjects. But I have those meetings one-on-one with all leaders, including the president of China, including uh, Prime Minister of Japan, Abe. We have those meetings all the time. No big. All right. So since he mentioned it, let's tackle it. So uh, for anyone that's a new listener, uh, you can find my stuff on iTunes, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Uh, I spoke a lot about the pipelines, a lot about how Turkey is in the center of it. I talked about how uh, the European Union is dependent on Russia and how they do not uphold the sanctions that we put on Iran. Now, I want everyone to understand something very important that the new sanctions that we have towards Russia that were expressed to the European Union by our U.S. ambassador Grunel were not intended and have no intention to harm the relations between the U.S. and Russia. Now, allow me to elaborate. Like I've told you before, I've worked very closely And I have very, how do I phrase this? I have great experience within the field of 
pipeline negotiations and funding in the Middle East. I've said it before, I've held a Q clearance, which is required for this stuff, or that level equivalent to within the EU as well. Now, one thing I explain throughout my shows, and I'll do a quick recap, is that Turkey is actually where all the pipelines meet, right? So oil coming in from Russia goes through Turkey. Oil coming in from Iran goes through Turkey. Oil coming in through anywhere in the Middle East goes through Turkey right now. And then Turkey redistributes. Now, uh, what... uh, President Trump has said is at many times to the Germans is, oh my gosh, you're like putting all these sanctions, but you know, you're kind of a captive of Russia because you get your majority of your oil and gas from Russia, which is true. Very true. Uh, they get about a third of it from Russia, a third of it from the Ukraine, which now the European Union owns. The Ukraine is not a sovereign state. All their natural resources have been confiscated because they owe money via IMF programs that have entrapped and stolen the sovereignty of almost every European state. Imagine the Ukraine's debt is at least today five times greater than that of Greece, just so you know. So here's where it gets funny. If the United States is to impose sanctions on countries that facilitate or work with Russian pipelines being built or transporting Russian oil and gas, this means that that the European Union will be dependent on who for oil and gas? That's right, Iran. Now, apparently, they're against Iran. Apparently, they're supposedly pushing sanctions against Iran. But what's going to come to light is that the European Union is dependent on Iran. Again, this is why Iran had the cojones to demand from Germany to send them cash. This is why Iran does what they please, because the EU as a conglomerate is dependent on Iran. Now, having said that, if uh, people didn't notice, last week there were a lot of protests. Specifically, there was a protest in Greece. Now, why is Greece important? In December, Greece sat down with Russia and discussed the then terminated South Stream pipeline project. Like I told you, there's pipelines that are going and there's a trans-Mediterranean one that was going across from Turkey through uh, Greece, um, the place that wants to call itself Macedonia, um, because I refuse to call them Macedonia, and then out through to Hungary, right? So it's going through the Balkans and up. That way it can um, fuel uh, the EU, Now, this pipeline was semi-terminated, and I'll tell you what. Russia invested in that pipeline. They put up a lot of money. And the World Bank, whose president just resigned, and now we get to nominate another one, and a lot of people say, no, Trump doesn't necessarily have the right to, but hey, we own majority, which is 16% of the World Bank, so we kind of do. But anyway, what happened was the World Bank didn't fund the remaining, and there were some tensions with the EU because what made Russia upset was is that they were going ahead with Syria. These are the tensions. So let me backtrack a bit. Syria. 
The only reason they want Syria, the only reason people are in Syria, the only people that are interested in taking down Syria are the ones that want to use them as an avenue to funnel oil from the Middle East, circumventing Saudi Arabia, which is going to go Qatar, Iran, Oman, and hopefully Yemen, because that's why we have that whole turmoil in Yemen, because the Yemenis are like, well, we'll get all this money if we allow Oman to extend their pipeline that goes from Turkey to Iran through Oman. They want to extend it into Yemen. This is kind of like the the gist of it. I want you to like stand back and look at the map of the Middle East so you get it. And so... They want to get this pipeline that's going around Saudi Arabia from Qatar, boom, through Syria, boom, under the water and to the European Union. That way they can circumvent Turkey and Russia. Now, Turkey doesn't want Syria to fall, but they have no choice because they're working with the European Union, right? And so Russia and Syria are defending their country, whatever they may be, dictator, whatever, it's none of our business. They need to figure it out themselves. The point is Russia's not there to do good. Russia's there to protect their interests because if that pipeline goes live, they're done because then the EU gets a backdoor to Middle Eastern oil that may or may not be Qatari or Irani, but it will be coming from Qatar. So therefore, if there are any sanctions for Iran, they're not violating them. What this move from our president pulling out of Syria and disabling ISIS is doing is allowing the truth to come to the forefront itself. Like I said, pulling their own pants down. So now the European Union is stuck. Do they accept sanctions against Russia? Or do they expose the fact that they've been supposedly putting sanctions on Iran, supposedly taking a hard stance on terrorism, and supposedly doing all that, but in the meantime, they've been making them rich by buying all their gas and oil. That's the purpose of this. Now, in Greece, there was huge protests where you know, protesters were clashing with the police because Merkel was coming down to talk to the prime minister about all this stuff in Turkey and Russia and the pipelines. And see, the thing is, they're trying to tell Greece, no, you're going to stick to the Turkish, Russian, Turkish, non-Russian stream and don't talk to Russia because you need to do what I tell you and you must abide because, you know, a few weeks earlier, Greece was chit-chatting with Russia and Russia was like, look, I already paid for it. We could all just make money on this. And Greece is like, you know what? I could use some money and we could make some money because Greece has some oil too and maybe we can crack a deal. So what's happening now is that Turkey's getting really, really upset. Tensions in the Aegean are high, okay, high, and we foresee some slight wars breaking out because the Turkish people are really getting bullish. And so it is a hot mess down there, and our president just torched it by just pouring gasoline on it by saying, hey, by the way, you know, here's a warning letter that any company involved in Russian energy exports through pipelines are um, going to be affected uh, by significant sanction risk. You know, a lot 
of people are like, oh, it's because the U.S. wants to export oil to them. No, it's not. It's because we want to show the world that they rely on Iran. This will explain everything to everyone. And watch the people of the European Union say, well, I thought we were sanctioning them. I thought we were doing good, but in essence, we were just funding them and taking their oil. This is how you expose them. So any company involved in Russian energy exports, that would include what? Turkey. So Turkey, what? Do they shut down their pipelines? And now we have Merkel coming in saying, well, you can't tell us what to do. Um, You know, you need to listen. The European Union should be able to do whatever they want. And specifically in his letter, he said, Russia's ongoing aggression against the Ukraine entered a new stage with the unprovoked attack on three Ukrainian vessels, right? Remember what happened in the Strait? We talked about it, right? Super stage. Remember how we talked about the Brits sending their troops um, to the to the shores of the Ukraine. So he's reminding them how, whoa, look, Russia's such a huge threat. Like, wouldn't you agree that not trading or not buying their oil and gas is good? Because how are they going to refute that? They made such a whole big fuss about it, right? So there is pressure, right? On Nord Stream 2. Remember, that's the that's the one that's um, coming down, right? Um, through the Mediterranean. So here's where it gets. On December 12th, he writes, the European Parliament passed a resolution by overwhelming majority supporting Ukraine's reform efforts, denouncing Russian aggression near the Sea of Azov and calling for Nord Stream 2's cancellation. Remember the one that was going across under the water, coming down to the northern part of the southern part of Uh, it's the northern part of Greece, like coming in through that way um, into Turkey, obviously. It used to be Greece. So then um, that vote says symbolizes how divisive in nature this actual pipeline is. So he's reinforcing what they're doing. He's saying, you're saying that they're so aggressive and we need to, you know, do this. So any country dealing with them is a problem. And now, you know, Germany is like, well, you know, you can't tell us what to do. Because here's the thing. The World Bank funded that and the EU picked up the tab for it. So, you know, they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place when you have, you know, Merkel saying, well, the European Union can decide to act in whatever they want. Um, But your parliament and you guys are saying Russia is so bad. Why not agree with it? Oh, that's because the rest of the world is going to find out that you get all your oil and gas from Iran, who is supposed to be an enemy too, which in essence would force them to buy other people's oils, like maybe from Saudi Arabia or the United States. But in the meantime, the point is pointing out the hypocrisy. This is what what Donald Trump's administration just did. President Trump just threw gas on a fire that is so it's burning so hard in Europe right now. It's 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 insane. It is completely insane. And like I said, this is part of the plan. If you disable all the foreign counterparts that facilitate these globalists with money, support, intelligence, you know, and anything they need, either that be real estate, 
weapons, people, calls to action. Once you disable them, they're done. So this is, this is pretty insane. This is like the biggest troll. This is a troll like no other because he knows, and we've talked about this on my show before, the European Union gets their gas from Iran and Russia. So what do they do? Because they, what do they, the only thing they have is natural gas coming from, you know, the Ukraine. President Trump has called them out so many times. But see, he's never mentioned Iran. Because that's his Trump card. President Trump knows exactly what he's doing. And it's hilarious to watch them squirm. Because they are going insane with what he's doing. You know, Russia is totally motivated, you know, um, to, you know, go through European nations um, to push their oil. Because it, it you know, it also has um, a reliance to move things and their gas exports through the Ukraine because, you know, it kind of funnels through there too. The South Stream project that I was talking about was actually canceled um, because of pressure from the EU. And that was because of pressure from the World Bank. And then we saw the guy resign um, and someone else. So this is pretty interesting. Uh, Things are about to hit the fan in Europe. And... um, you know, Russia has also inferred to the countries, you know, like Greece that are suffering and have been toying with Grexit, you know, or exiting the European Union for a while um, with money to help. So they're reaching out to countries like Serbia and um, former Yugoslav states that would uh, facilitate this pipeline, like to operate in their lands, saying, you know, we'll give you some some money and financial aid to help you so you can help yourself and we can all just make tons of money because it's about the people first, right? So this is, I just wanted to spend this half hour to show you guys just how genius our president is and just how he's disabling all of them. And not only that, he's like literally setting them on fire. He's throwing this gas in there saying, well, you know, Russia's super bad. Look, your court says it. You say it. You say it all over the mainstream media. Time to stop buying their oil. And then it's like, well, where are you getting your oil? Oh, Iran. I thought you weren't getting anything from them. So it's time for my break. I'll see you guys in a bit. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. 
In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My pillow has a 10 year warranty and a 60 day comfort guarantee. My pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1 800 961 9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world is mypillow.com All right, and welcome back. Um, and just so we can close that topic just for now, um, Al Jazeera actually reported um, in response to what uh, the European Union said uh, uh, because the U.S. is threatening with sanctions. Um, and they had said this a long time ago because we've been inching at it. It's just coming forefront now. This is from back, I think, in October let me see the article. It's actually November 3rd. And it says that um, it's titled Russia says U.S. sanctions illegal will help Iran trade oil. But the thing is, they've been trading oil. They've been trading gas to the European Union. It's just no one's talking about that. Right. Because supposedly the European Union has been supposedly working with the Obama administration, supposedly to not fund Iran and to disable their nuclear programs. Let's remember that that is what the EU has been saying all along. And it's a big fat lie. And how do you expose a lie? Not by, by saying, well, look, there's pipelines because there's maps. There are maps, there are funding, there are, we're talking billions of and trillions of dollars of money poured in to create these pipelines that the EU paid for through the World Bank. And they'll still stand there and say, well, no, we're not getting any money from Iran. Really? You forget the deal that Clinton sealed when he was president to create the first pipeline connection to Turkey? Did you forget that? Because we funded that. So anyone standing up there saying, 
Iran, we're taking hard measures, is BSing. What President Trump is doing is taking hard measures. What President Trump is doing is making sure he can box in every single enemy of the people in general. And even though he's America first and he's protecting us, it's obvious that this is a global movement. We've seen this. So I thought I would mention that. And speaking of uh, foreign relations, I tweeted out this morning about a um, cargo plane uh, that uh, left um, Kyrgyzstan and crashed uh, in Iran. Okay, it was shot down from what we realize. And only one person survived. And what's interesting is, is just a couple of days ago, there were some really heated um, conversations. And I'll tell you what. So the history of this nation in general uh, is complicated. They were targeted by the Mongols. They were targeted by the Ottomans, the Turkish, right? They were um, invaded uh, when we had... uh, the um, radical Islam revolution that tra- that took over all of Europe that nobody talks about back in the six, seven, eight hundreds AD, and it continued on. They um, were part of the USSR, kind of um, for financial reasons. These people have so many dialects. I'm just going to tell you as a linguist, how I learned more about these countries, um, you know, in that area, but Kazakh, you know, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, all of them. So basically these people are having a problem. Now it's going to sound funny to you, but they actually have a problem with illegal immigration and their illegal immigrants are Chinese. <laughs> And so the locals, even though they're nomads and they're proud, I mean, if you go to the country, you will see people, you know, um, proud that they're nomads. Uh, you know, even though they have borders, they're nomads. They were always nomads throughout history. They kind of moved around a lot, but, um, what happens is, is that Chinese people defect from China and they go over there and they are kind of treated like the way illegal immigrants are here. And they have been revolting against China for one reason only. They're like, uh, you know, they're coming in here and the only time that we give them citizenship is if they get married, either that be male or female. If they marry someone, that is, uh, you know, Kirji, that's it. They get um, citizenship done. But guess what? When the Kyrgyz goes over to China, guess what happens to them? Even if they marry or if they're legally migrating there, they go to something called re-education camps. Now, not a lot of people know those exist. I would urge you to do a quick Duck, Duck, Go search and take a look because it's kind of weird. Re-education camps. See, we have a mass re-education camp and that's called the mainstream media here. But here's the thing. They had this weird conversation with leaders, uh, you know, that a big talks between January 7th and all the way up to, um, January 12th. And so they've been talking about this. This has been a problem for them. They've been asking for legislation. Whereas, um, now, uh, you know, Kirji, you know, politicians are kind of, very China friendly because they're looking at economic factors, whereas the actual citizens are looking for more stability as citizens. And they're 
and since the majority of them have converted to being Muslim, uh, they are looking out to more radical um, Islamic nations like Iran to talk about things. And they have people within their realm that do that. So seeing a plane leave there and be a military cargo plane, which probably may or may not have money on it, going to Iran and being shot down, not unexpected. The question would be who shot it down, you know, because... Uh, it was supposed to benefit Iran. So that can raise a lot of questions. And I'm not seeing a lot of talk about this in the media, which means that must be a really huge story. Now, I have uh, friends in the area. I've reached out, but obviously time difference, right? By the time I got the news, they're all asleep. And hopefully I can get more to you guys um, because I have friends in the region uh, that are journalists and, um, you know, local journalists that may or may not provide me the actual news because you know how that goes. Um, if you're mainstream media, <laughs> you may be compromised. Well, no, you're more than likely compromised. And this is why I promote um, independent investigative journalists and analysts, um, especially those that don't seek to profit. You know, I mean, like, for example, Laura Loomer does a lot, and what she seeks is not to profit, but to fund her trips uh, where she goes um, to these places. And I, and I urge that. It just makes me wary when, you know, I see people doing this um, and you know, coining profit off of it. it just makes me curious, right? Not saying that all of them asking because a lot of people put so much time into it that they need your support because it does take a lot of time. The stuff that I got on Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi, <laughs> Pelosi took me um, three weeks um, to kind of parse through everything and not just hers because I fell into rabbit holes looking at Blumenthal's, looking at other senators and congresspersons, financials, and then comparing that to what we know and then comparing that to what I know from the Panama Papers, which, you know, I've mentioned a few times. Um, so this article that I put out, it's titled Pelosi, Did She Use Her Financial Clout to Silence Conservatives? As we saw throughout 2017, but specifically in 2018, not only did we see the curbing of conservative speech on platforms like Facebook, YouTube, Google, and Twitter, and keep in mind, I urge all of you in whatever state you're at, pull up your senators or your congresspersons financial you know, statements, the self-reported, right? Because they don't report everything. Um, the self-reported statements, take a look at them and see how many of them own a lot of Facebook, own a lot of Google. And then we're going to put them to question them and sanction them. Really? Anyway, so I put it through and I wanted to remind everyone how, you know, uh, almost a decade ago, uh, Nancy Pelosi was caught insider trading. So she was caught insider trading. She was the muse for this facade of a fake legislation called the Stock Act, which is short for Stop Trading on Congressional Knowledge Act. And so... She got caught because she participated, it was more than a decade, we're talking like zeros, right? 2000s, early, early, um, the IPO for Visa. 
she got um, 5,000 shares of Visa um, during their um, IPO. So imagine those 5,000 stocks, how many times they've split, multiplied, reissued, gave her more options, etc. She is one of the largest non-institutional stockholders of Visa. Let that sink in for a second. So the point of this article was to show you that she, along with many others, invest in these um, processing companies like Stripe and Square. And they, as investors, indirect, obviously, because they go through VCs, they go through um, institutional funds, you know, where they contribute um, to portfolios, etc., they are guided and vote in favor of them because if they don't, then their stock tanks. But in the same way, they have influence over them. So it's not a coincidence that we're seeing conservatives being attacked from every side. But the point is, why do we have senators and congresspersons, not only on a federal level, but look at your legislators at your state that become immensely rich? Why do we allow them to buy and sell stocks and to create more wealth? There should be a law that disallows anyone being put into any elected position of, you know, the three branches of government, right? To even create new wealth. It should stop right there because they are privy to a lot of information. So let's pretend, right? That Facebook was going to be fined, you know, $50 billion for cheating people out of advertisement money because we know they did it, for stealing um, private information from citizens because we know they did it, for um, selling uh, private information because they did it, and for a bunch of other things. Let's just pretend. There would be a $50 billion fine on them. And that was determined by our SEC. I don't know. Just pick an agency. Who cares? You know, whatever. And they knew it. But the rest of the world didn't know it. You know what they would all do? They would sell their stock. And it would tank. This is how the stock market works. If people are selling your company and don't want it, your stock price goes down. So they would get the in on being able to sell the stock at $10 as opposed to a penny that it would end up when news come out that, hey, they're getting a $50 billion fine and now they're going to have to be super transparent and abide by all these things. Do you get what I'm saying? These people that are in office right now are making money while they're there. They don't care about you. They care about the information they have access to. So like, for example, when Apple gets new contracts or if there is some agreement with, I don't know, Amazon to get a big fat contract with our federal government, guess what happens? All these clowns start to up their shares in those companies and become rich because before the announcement comes out and says, I don't know, Apple got a new $6 billion deal to offer phones for ATF. Before that hits, you know, um, the news, they've bought stock at 
you know, $1. The minute the news goes, that stock is now worth $10. They've just made 10 times their money. Do you see how they make money? This is what they do to us. They use us for money. So circling back to how I told you this shutdown is hurting them. During my investigation, and like I said, this shutdown is very, very important to them. They keep talking about the shutdown. They're not talking about the drugs. They're not talking about the crime. They're not talking about the human and child trafficking. They're talking about the border. I looked into their financials and what do I see? The majority of them own controlling stocks and Pelosi doesn't have controlling I mean, she does indirectly because she actually has um, a real estate company that owns the property that these companies operate in. And she has a lot of um, accounts that aren't on her self-reported, which are indicated on her self-report, but aren't mentioned. And I'm like thinking, well, why isn't anyone really reviewing their filings? Like who's in charge of actually doing these, you know, audits of filings, I guess. No one. So they just put whatever they want. But anyway, what I noticed is that a lot of them have very high stakes in container companies and transport companies, uh, shipping, uh, which the majority of operate um, in the Pacific and obviously uh, the Atlantic going through Europe and uh the U.S., oh, well, I guess that's where they would go from, right? But a lot of them have uh, southern border crossings. So <clears throat> this shutdown is hurting people because with this shutdown, like um, it's been reported, port clearings are uh, taking longer because they're not cons- considered essential. So if there's a container that's sitting on a port, you know, with a bunch of stuff that's not considered perishable or something, it won't be cleared because the few people that are left are super government people and no more contractors. What I'm trying to say is that they're losing a lot of money from stuff coming through the borders because the companies that they're invested in are the companies that are being hurt. I'm trying to say it without saying it. I'm really hoping you guys are getting it because it would make you wonder as to if your company is so legit and it's transporting goods that are legit, then why are you upset that there's a slowdown on checking things? Is it because they're coming through the roads that are unmanned, the ones that are created by these traffickers. Um, I saw an, uh, an article from CBS, you guys, I'm not joking, where it said that um, a car was looking to uh, go over the border and it got stuck. Like they put ramps to drive over um, the border and it got stuck. It, CBS had published that. Um, so it wasn't like the onion. I had to do a double take. What I'm trying to say is, is that they have roads that are not connected to ports and then they have seaports that come into California specifically that are not well monitored when they're fully staffed because there's outsourced staff like contractors the ones that are really laid off 
So I thought that was a pretty important point to make that, you know, it's all about money to them and how they make money on us. It's all about money to them in this shutdown that they have to own because they need to get it done. And the fact that I saw Lindsey Graham saying, well, can we just ease up a bit? No, no, we can't Lindsay, because I know your pocket hurts too. Because look at your portfolios. See, if people actually look at the money, like I've said, follow the money, you'll see exactly where their interest, where their interest lies. Their interests are not with the American people. But there's another key thing that I would urge anyone looking into their own senators and congressmen to see is that many of the Democrats, almost all of them, have increased their liabilities. What does that mean? So I pointed out in my article how Nancy Pelosi, within the year of 2017, well, it was from September 2016 up until 2017 because she hasn't filed for 2018 yet. Um, she's increased her debt by $35 million, getting mortgages on her property. Now, one might say having conversations um, with other people like me that like to poke into stuff like this said, well, maybe it could have been for, um, you know, the DNC to raise funds because it was September 2016, right before the elections. Uh, the Huma emails, the laptop came out, Comey, all this. They needed all the funding they could get. And that, and that could be just the case because, you know, that was a $25 million mortgage. And then we see in June and then six months later in December of 2017, another five and five million. That's another 10 million Nancy Pelosi had to draw. So she's got liabilities of over 70 million, but um, <laughs> her income is 90. I mean, could you really work in the federal government with so many liabilities? Considering, though, she does have many liquid assets, right? Like stocks and bonds and mutual funds, because you'll notice all of them have a lot of bonds and stocks and mutual funds, and they all kind of have the same ones. Because they fund all their companies, like I mentioned, Stripe. Stripe was funded by, uh, in November of 2016, right after the loss of the election, we see that they re received $9 billion of funds, $9 billion investment. And then a year later, less than a year later, well, well, it's more than a year. Um, they got 20 billion from tiger global management. They got, um, $20 billion and you know, what's insane. Tiger global management has super strong ties with the Clinton foundation. And now Stripe has the crappiest rate with consumers, um, with the businesses that actually run it. Like they hold on to your money. Don't tell you what you're doing. If you're conservative, they kick you off. They suddenly have all these policies and how it's dangerous. Like they totally maimed gas right? Saying, well, you know, you don't control your content and there could be pornography or this or that, or it could be dangerous. So we're not going to process your payments. And it's like, dude, it's just payment. You know, you're not liable for it. It's not like the court can say, why did you process this payment? It's a damn social media platform. So what is your problem? The problem is, is that the, the globalists own it. And here's the thing. 
The globalists own it, and it's still one of the largest companies with the crappiest record. There are alternative, you know, options that people have, but none of the platforms on the internet through Google or GoDaddy or all these fraudulent, all under the same umbrella companies, they will only push Stripe. Square jumped on the bandwagon too. So you better, when you sign up with Square, not show that you have any affiliation with conservative things or, you know, President Trump. Well, I guess except for the Trump Foundation, I guess, because they do allow them the, not the foundation, the campaign, because that would be blatant discrimination, right? But um, they are silencing you from money. They're cutting off your ability to have money. Look what they did with Patreon. They said it's MasterCard. It's actually Visa, because it's one in the same. They work in tangent. So the story they're not telling you is the real story that they are trying to not only silence you by way of ability to post, to publish, to speak, but they're silencing you in getting any funds. Soon you can't even bank, you know, if you're conservative and this will happen if this continues, you know, and if it continued, I mean, if she was president, we, there would be no United States right now. Conservatives would probably all be in jail in these mass FEMA camps. Um, and we'd all be in trouble. Anyone that had a sign in their yard, uh, you know, would have some serious issues right now. And I stand by that statement. Uh, but you know, they never thought she would lose. They never did. They thought there's no way she's going to lose. There's no way, uh, she's going to fail. We're all going to win and we're on the right team. And all these people were on the wrong side of history guys. They are all working against us. Look at the mainstream media. Look at the, look at the Democrats where they are. They're in Puerto Rico, right? Celebrating, right? Having this retreat. Really? No. Apparently, from what I hear in Puerto Rico, all of them are leaving with like private chartered yachts all under cloak and dagger heading out to the Caribbean. And what do we have in the Caribbean? Bank accounts. So I think we need to revisit those accountants that we have in custody right now that haven't yet been formally indicted or the indicted clown we have up in Boston that, you know, was an accountant linked to the Panama Papers Shading with all these Clinton investment groups and, you know, Pelosi's got a lot of that stuff going on down there. So does Lindsey Graham. They all have these offshore accounts. We know where they are. That's what they're doing. They were busy trying to find money because they have no money. With all these executive orders, specifically the one from December 21st, 2017, that says any funding or any money made through human trafficking is a problem, all of them are hungry. All of them are starving. We're cutting off their money. As the banks are shrinking in their possession, they are desperate. So after the break, I will talk about circular embezzlement. I talked about it last week with a small example of Lutheran social services, how they take federal and state funds and then recycle it supposedly for charitable purposes and then pocket it again. This is exactly how they raise campaign money as well. And I inched about that last week. So I'd like us to elaborate that because that's going to be coming to the forefront. And remember on this second half, you can call in to 215 Top Talk with any questions you may have. And I'd be really happy to hear from you. Again, that's 215 Top Talk. 
215-867-8255. See you in a bit. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic. Filtered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, for the second half hour. Again, like I said, I always open up my phone lines on the second half of the hour at 215 Talk Talk Top. Top talk today. I'm so tongue tied. Um, and that's 215 8678255. Okay. And I just wanted to um, visit the circular reporting. I told you guys, and you've heard me and Laura talk about Lutheran Social Services. Uh, 2019 will be the year that we will expose one of the biggest federally funded frauds that is happening. And the reason that, you know, obviously we're going to start in in North Dakota and Minnesota is because for some reason the Midwest has been targeted really hard. And it's in these states where you find the most corrupt politicians there are. So speaking of that, recalling our senators and congressmen or congresswomen, there is a way. Like I said, file your criminal complaint. File it. And if your state won't accept it, won't prosecute it, do what I do. I sent it down to D.C. I sent it down to the Department of Justice. I sent it down to everybody and their mother that may or may not have jurisdiction over these elected officials. And not only senators and congressmen, but attorney generals too. Because this is how they work. They have friends. Rub my back, I'll rub yours. That is how they work. They are a mafia. We've explained this before. And they've created the laws in order to ensure that they can't leave. There's no term limits. Uh, They uh, watch each other's back and that's how they work. But again, a lot of us are providing testimony behind closed doors on our complaints because they do not fall on dead ears. I might say that, yes, I did receive from certain areas in the Justice Department responses like, we don't have jurisdiction here or this. But, you know, I sent it to everybody. So there's record of it. But this one is huge. Why? Lutheran Social Services, circular funding. Let's talk about that for a second. So... Like I mentioned, Lutheran Social Services, for some reason, I mean, if you're Lutheran, you should be really pissed right now because they're taking advantage of your religion to bring in 
criminals to bring in people that refuse to assimilate. But here's the thing. They do it under this cloak of kindness and reaching out and enriching the elderly and helping foster kids. This is the stuff that they dabble in, right? And then they get all this money. In my state, guess how much money they got in one year? $27 million. Yes. No, you didn't hear wrong. $27 million. And A lot of that is coming from state department programs and guess what? Human health services. What? Why is the HHS giving so much money to a religious supposed, you know, organization that's dabbling in kiddos, dabbling with elderly. So all the vulnerable demographics and then, pardon me, they are importing migrants from areas that we know are booming with terrorists and people that refuse to assimilate. So here's what they do. They set up this company. They get all these grants. They get all this federal tax money, right? Federal tax money, state tax money. And then they have these other companies that make profit. So basically, just so you understand how this goes, we have Mohammed who just came in from Liberia and he has to rent a house. But you know, for the first year, it's completely free. And then they train him and give him a job, either working for them specifically, maybe diddling with children and then getting caught, you know, diddling and having children parties or, you know, driving a lift or working at Walmart or whatever that may be. So then Mohammed has to start paying rent. Well, the house that Mohammed it is living in is a building that's owned by this um, sister company that's for profit. So Muhammad's rent is $600. Well, the federal government, your tax money goes from Lutheran Social Services to Muhammad saying, here's the help you need. Here's $600 for your rent. You can have that now. Here you go. And then Muhammad takes that money and pays his rent. Guess where that rent money goes? Back to Lutheran Social Services. That's basically what happens. So this is how they circularly line their pockets. Now, on a more huger scale, you can see foundations such as the close-up or the Democratic Socialists of America that get funded with your tax money through things like, I don't know, Planned Parenthood. We've talked about this before. They all lobby and they pay. Even Lutheran Social Services lobbies. But they use other companies to do it for them. They got smart. In 2015, they stopped filing lobbying and now they're using the cash they're lining their pockets to lobby for whatever it is they want. This is how they do it. So not only are your senators and Congress people making their pockets fat with insider information that if I knew that Apple was going to get a big fat contract and today I went and purchased a thousand shares only for that news to come out a week later and making them crazy rich, making me crazy rich, I would be in jail. But if you're a Senator, you're not, you're totally fine. You're protected by the law. And this stop act 
it was nothing. It was BS because it excluded the president, vice president, congressmen, senators, etc. So it was just a facade. So Obama could seem like, yeah, I'm totally against corruption. Yet, why don't you look at Obama's portfolio and take a look that way? So if you actually look at the money, because we've talked about this, money, 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 you find exactly what's going on. And I have the great Scott Adams, who's had like crazy radio shows all morning, joining me. Hey, Scott. Hey, Tori, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Nancy Pelosi's getting rich off of that kind of scheme. But, you know, they all make their money differently. It just just depends on what what notch you are in in the totem pole. Because Barack Obama, I think he did it. He got his money through... Uh, all the laundering and all of the kickbacks and palm greasing that was going on with the Iran nuclear deal. That's why they wanted it. Before they were heading out of Dodge, they wanted to make sure they got their life savings given to them. You know, um, Barack Obama got six payments of $25 million sent to his Obama Foundation. You know, it's basically now a political action arm of the Democrat Party and the socialist wing of the oh, party. It's one and the same, yeah. But they got a lot of money. And you're like, where did that money show up? These anonymous sources, where did that all come from? And of course, we've seen this time and time in Puerto Rico. They're working with a whole bunch of lobbyists. How do we you know, get the money flowing in the right direction? Uh, but the Planned Parenthood thing, it's interesting there too, because the Planned Parenthood thing, I've been talking about that particular, you know, the 500 million for, for years now, for years. And yet, just lo and behold, just recently, uh, even Q started talking about that particular story, that narrative. And even Charlie Kirk was weighing in on that, talking about uh, the Planned Parenthood recycling, recircularization of that, those funds. They don't need that money. They have private funding. But, of course, they're using that as a slush fund, just like the slush fund in the House. They're using that as a slush fund to, to um, assure up votes in, the, in, the, in Congress. It's yeah. such corruption. Well, you know, corruption, it, it happens on every level. And you and me talked about Planned Parenthood like months and months ago together, like not on air, I don't think. But we talked about it and how, you know, they're funneling money and paying so much money. Like all we have to do is look at, you know, where this money is going. And keep in mind, Planned Parenthood doesn't just give direct. I can almost guarantee you that they provide so much money right? Through lobbyists, kind of like the way I said, Lutheran Social Services has gotten smart by not giving it directly anymore, but using these firms, um, lobby firms, and operating under LLCs that, you know, no one's really um, focused on. They just look like a generic lobbyist firm. And I can guarantee, I would probably bet my life on it that another maybe $100 million is going back to the DNC from Planned Parenthood via these, uh, you know, generic lobby firms. That's what's incredible. And and we're paying for it. That's the thing. We're lining their pockets. And Tom Steyer and George Soros, they're not taking money out of their own pocket. They are and they are not. They're, They're securing fat contracts and great deals with the government in exchange for their efforts, their efforts, their lobbying efforts. And so basically, um, it ends up that they're not really spending their own money. That's why they're never going broke. How is the George Soros is retired? He's spending billions upon billions of dollars 
manipulating elections and getting involved with different um, policies and open, open borders. Daily Caller just did an initiative on George Soros's house in Southampton, for example, where he has a 10-foot wall that's about like miles long surrounding his house, his compound. And he's Mr. Open Border Society. Again, these people are getting this circular funding where they're being assured government contracts and different ways to, to profit from the government. And in exchange, they're turning around. They're basically taking that taxpayer-funded dollar many Republicans from the middle working middle class and they're using it against uh, the same Republicans to. Yeah, no, they are. And so many people are just blinded by that fact that we're paying for them. And let's not leave out the Republicans. They do the same thing because I can tell you that um, in my state here, there's only one advertising firm and they also double as a lobby firm and anything they want gets pushed through them. They control the media. Hey, I'm not giving you advertising if you don't say this. They control everything. And the thing is, most of this money that's being used for their campaigns or for their messages to be out there is out of our pocket. That's what's insane. And people are just like totally okay with it. Like I brought up how the Islamic school of Fargo is being funded by North Dakota tax dollars. And it's kind of like people didn't even know it existed, but it's not happening directly. It's happening indirectly from Lutheran social services. You know, this is what they do. They create a company to a company. So it's complex and difficult for someone to actually find who's the head of it. And I find that pretty incredible. And like President Trump said, a lot of people are going to be exposed and they never thought they would. And it'll that be was very telling in that, in that interview we gave with Justice Janine mm-hmm. uh, that you're going to start to see things that are going to be really eye opening, that people are going to be brought to justice. And, and you know, Q was even talking about that and talking about how um, the example, if you're an elected official, you don't lose your elected spot simply because you were convicted of a felony. You have to actually get two thirds of a vote in house to vote against you and and expel you from your seat. You know, and they're starting to address this topic uh, directly and head on because that's where we're that's where we're heading right now is is that uh, people like Adam Schiff are going to be busted for leaking. Uh, there and his little kids foundation and the touching thing that he has going on with that foundation. My God, all this so crazy, stuff right? That, so creepy. That's X fund slush fund. All of these things are just sheer hypocrisy, and Trump is going to get to the bottom of it, and you know that, right? Definitely, he's been getting to the bottom of it. A lot of people are impatient, but like, for example, Adam Schiff. You know what's going to come out, and I'm pretty sure it will that these um, fundraisers that they do, right, or for the DNC or through other organizations like Little Kids, you know, where they have, what is it called, specialists in pediatric and infant massage. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah, all these nonprofits actually feed back into them and pay them. And um, I urge anyone to just take a look at Nancy Pelosi's, um, which is a lot simpler than Blumenthal's, right? Filings. Take your own senators, take your own congresspersons, um, 
financial filing. They're online. Uh, you can register for free and download everything. And remember, these are self-reported. And what I noticed in all of them is that there's discrepancies uh, because they mention about going to other brokerage accounts, but they're not l- registered. Do you see what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. well, if you have the brokerage account, why isn't it stated in your statement, but you're talking about a transaction between another brokerage account? You know, like Isolep, did you know that she's created her own investment company, Isolep? And Isolep was actually creating a lot of noise in the Caribbean while everyone was in Puerto Rico. But we do know that Nancy Pelosi was not in Puerto Rico. But it seems that maybe a lot of people have been using her company for domestic stock. I mean, I found some crazy stuff like her link to something saying it's good to be Catholic And if you actually look that company up, it is the weirdest thing ever. Like it has one page and it's just comparing scriptures from the Bible and not really nice ones and comparing, I think, with Old Testament. It was just super creepy. And to think that in California they're making money and all they have is that makes you wonder what they're doing to be calling themselves it's good to be Catholic. It was super uh, I'm just, weird. Uh, keep your eyes open for the new round of uh, the socialist congressmen, uh, whether it be Ocasio Cortez or you know a whole She's host dangerous. of these new new newcomers on the block. Wait till you see what kind of foundations they set up, because every single congressman ends up setting up a foundation. It's not that they're uh, charitable; it, it's that that's a way to launder money, that's a way to hide donations. Mm-hmm and uh, formulate political action committees and and uh, political arms of their own campaigns. You'll see. So they talk one way, but then as soon as they get in the office, they're told exactly how the game is played, and they'll be setting up a foundation, and it's purely designed for laundering money. Yeah, suddenly you'll see Ocasio with a, you know, a bigger house after complaining that she didn't have money to get in there. And I consider her to be one of the scariest people, the most detrimental threat uh, to our democracy, to our country being in there. I mean, even worse than Rashida and Omar, uh, because she is a loose cannon. The Democrats can't tame her, um, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, sh- the Republicans won't. But I wanted to, I wanted to, I tweeted out a picture this weekend. I don't know if everybody saw it. It was with, Sen- um, with Senator Kramer. He used to be Congressman Kramer and President Trump actually flew him to the White House and his wife and his child and sat him down and said, I want you to run for Senate. He handpicked him. And Kevin wasn't really sure if he was going to run or not. I totally stomped for him. I even walked in a parade with him. I um, adore Kevin because he's morally sound, right? He's been in politics for forever, and he's not one of those filthy, insanely rich guys, right? The only thing Heidi Heidkamp had to go on is he's raised a salary by $94,000. So he's making about 200000 a year. That's all she's got. So he's actually morally sound, hasn't taken advantage of this, like using insider information to trade or setting up these crazy ass foundations or anything like that. But, um, he, he, this is your tweet tweet is, uh, this is written by Tory. It says, I voted for Senator Kevin Kramer because he's a true patriot. He's his face posing with Rashida Tlaib and AOC, uh, Casio Cortez is how all of us patriots feel. Yeah, the struggle was... is real. People like 
uh, this are even in office. Yeah, you know, he he seems like a fish out of water within this. Swamp. Those are all the freshmen. Those are all the freshmen that came in. That's a freshman picture, and you could see his right. face. He's just kind of like, oh my gosh, I literally. There's going to be a page in history with me with them. Um, you could just see his face. It was just h- hilarious, and um, you know, used- huh? It used to be it used to be that you know to be a congressman you had to be some sort of an upstanding person. Here you got a whole bunch of kids. This looks like kindergarten school. Yeah. You know, a whole bunch of kids around there, like Ocasio Cortez, who basically doesn't even know where Israel is on a map, is sitting there acting like she's a congressman. You know, I don't know what has happened to the Democrat Party, but they look like a bunch of goofballs. Well, I I could just say this weekend was I was loving on Saturday. I was totally loving my new congressman, Kelly Armstrong, who I know very well. Great guy. Um, And he tweeted out to Ocasio, uh, just watched your interview on Matto. Yesterday, Washington Post called you out for not having your facts straight during your interview on 60 Minutes. Today, you told POTUS to get his facts straight. I'm confused. I'm just a non-celebrity new member of Congress. Are you offering classes on hypocrisy or is it a Dems only class? Now, that was some serious (laughs) shade. Totally loved it because, you know, it's about time we have people representing us that will call it out the way it is without being too politically correct or incorrect let's say um and that was pretty much it ocasio is dangerous uh she, like i said no one can tame her and she and you've mentioned this that she's a very good speaker and ocasio cortez mm-hmm, that she's a very good well, speaker she, she has she, well she's like obama obama was a good orator and uh he had a nice look about him and he was charismatic, but that's as, that's as far as you could take it at that at that point. He's pure evil. He was a, a you know, just a crazy ide- ideological fool, really. When you think about it, George uh, Barack Obama. But you know, um, talking about trolling, Soros, Donald so Trump trolling Elizabeth Warren was the tweet of the week, where he says, "If Elizabeth Warren, often referred to by me as Pocahontas, did his commercial from Bighorn and Wounded Knee instead of her kitchen with her husband dressed in full Indian garb, it would have been a." smash and then he followed it up and he said best line in elizabeth warren's beer catastrophe is to her husband thank you for being here i'm glad you're here and then trump says it's their house he's supposed to be there <laughs> he's, he's, so, you know howard dean at least took him to the iowa primary for iowa, howard dean to you know self-destruct elizabeth warren hasn't even gotten out of the horse gate yet well, you know, he's trolling everyone. And uh, at the first part of my show, I know you've been busy, but I showed how he just set fire to the EU by trolling them using their words. He said, hey, Russia's super bad. Look at what you testified. Look at what your EU parliament says. Look at what your mainstream media says. They're bad. So stop buying their oil. And now, you know, we've issued a letter through our ambassador saying, if you buy the oil, you will be sanctioned. And it's like, uh oh, then everyone's going to know we're buying oil and gas from Iran. So he's pretty much boxed them in to show them for the hypocrites they are. Either they stop buying oil and gas from Russia or admit to the world that they've been funding Iran all these years. Because, you know, Americans keep forgetting that we paid for those pipelines. We funded those pipelines from Iran to Turkey. So that way, um, supposedly, we made money off of that. I don't know how, but supposedly for the European Union to get gas. And it's kind of like, well, I thought they've been sanctioned for like 10 years now. Why are you 
supporting them. So it'll be interesting because he just threw a lot of gas onto a fire that's been burning and Russia's calling him out. Hey, if you're not getting it from me, you're getting it from Iran. And that's something they don't want in the news cycle. Right. And Pompeo has been busy working up a storm. I mean, you know, while the Democrats are down there getting a sunburn like Menendez did, I think he got a little too much burn, actually. But um, that's another story. You know, the point is Pompeo is meeting with the crown prince at Saudi Arabia. He's given this great speech smack down on Obama in Cairo. I mean, you know, what's being done in the Middle East, and that's really one of the keys to uh, to your, the European Union, because there's a lot of intermix going on between the European Union and the Middle East and that whole, you know, Syrian uh piece of the Middle East had a lot to do with oil pipelines and a lot of other things that Lindsey Graham has embraced, Barack Obama has embraced, you know, they've basically been been in bed together with that policy. Trump has changed everything in the Middle East and Trump has been working overtime. But, you know, the next step for Trump is to re uh, warm up relations with Russia and basically take uh, take trade to another level with China. And so and and, and bring peace, finally restore peace. Um, Korean conflict, you know, and put an end to the Korean War once and for all. He's going to be busy in the next two years or literally the next year and a half uh, before he starts to have to think about the 2020 election. He doesn't he doesn't even worry about Nancy Pelosi. And if they continue on doing what they're doing, he's going to get the wall one way or the other through the military. Uh, so, I mean, there's so many other things you can talk about. Did Have you heard about the... Um, monies that the Department of Defense couldn't possibly spend in, in the proper amount of time, and they had to return $27 billion back to the Treasury because they couldn't spend it efficiently enough? Yes. Well, what you're going to have, go on. Yeah, what you're going to have, you're going to have another $700 billion that can't be spent efficiently enough, and they're going to take a piece of that and build out, build out the wall, and he'll be on great legal ground to do it. So the Dems are going to either have to make a deal or not. But, you know, Trump's been busy over this break, uh, whether it be Pompeo in the Middle East or whether it be um, all his negotiations with regard to the wall and a lot of other things and with China and with Russia. Uh, we're doing some moves in, the, in Syria. So Trump's been busy. And uh, I don't know what the Democrats are up to, but right now I haven't heard any, not one idea that, that comes from a sound mind. Well, I'll tell you what, Scott, and I'm going to plow through um, my break, actually, now that I have you here. Um, the president tweeted out something very interesting, and deconstructing it, it's even more interesting. He says, he tweeted this out about four hours ago. He said, the fake news gets crazier and more dishonest every single day. Amazing to watch as certain people covering me and the tremendous success of this administration have truly gone mad in all caps. Their fake reporting creates anger and disunity. Take two weeks off and come back rested. Chill. So what is he telling us there? Aside from the fact that we already know that they're going insane because they're running out of bad things to say, we have this shutdown and all they could do is look for people that would sit there and talk smack about the wall and how it's uh, angering them. But, you know, they can't bring them up because we all know most of these people they're going to bring are what? Contractors. You know, contractors, not actual bona fide federal employees, right? Uh, that would speak up against uh, 
the whole wall. And not only that, he told them to take two weeks off. So you have to wonder what's happening in two weeks where they can get back on the on the cycle to get angry. Because do you know what's on February 1st? I just thought of that. It's the National Day of Human and Human Trafficking Day, February 1st. So mm. I just thought that was kind of interesting what he said in two weeks and, you know, calendar-wise, two well, weeks. I don't you've know. You've yet to see – never seen a president talk about sex and human trafficking. The way he The has. way Trump – especially uh, uh, combining it with, with uh, open borders. And anybody who tries to tell you – like, for example, Byron York came out with a decent article where he's saying – the smart technical wall that the Dems are talking about is designed not to prevent people from entering our country. And then just like um, just like Europe was, you know, trying to herd the the fighting age males away from Middle East into Europe uh, with free stuff, free lodging, free, you know, free food, free everything. You're starting to see a wave of that happen here in, in the United States with Big Bird de Blasio basically saying, we're going to give you free medical. You know, 300,000 illegals are all going to have free medicine now, paid for by the middle class New Yorker. But then also you got Gavin Newsom in California saying this is going to be a sanctuary for everybody. It's a kumbaya moment. And uh, and then uh, Stacey Abrams over the weekend was saying that uh, she thinks the illegals should be able to vote in in, lo- in, in uh, local elections. So all this rhetoric is actually part of a design. Just like they said, they went from walls don't work to immorality. Then they said it was a manufactured crisis. Now they're saying it's a vanity program for Trump. Yeah, right? of course There's a whole bunch of new rhetoric that they come out with. My point is, is that what they're trying to do is energize that caravan that's in Honduras right now and try to wreak even more havoc on the United States or trying to get as many people in as they possibly can because they assign these people IDs. They take that same ID and they steal their identity and move those people to battleground districts all over the country, and they steal elections based on these human human bodies, these human IDs that they're manufacturing. Okay, so, so the thing is, President Trump is telling us something just like he – uh, referred to Jeff Bezos. He said, sorry to hear about Jeff Bozo, right? He didn't say Bezos. He said Bozo yeah. in his tweet. Being taken down by a competitor whose reporting, I understand, is far more accurate than the reporting his lobbyist newspaper, the Amazon Washington Post. So before I complete the tweet, let's just stop on that. First of all, he called him Bozo because he's an idiot. He's a clown. He is a clown. Bozo the clown. He's a clown. So now he needs to be – he was taken down by a competitor. Guess who his competitor is? The the National Enquirer. That's what he's referring to because the National Enquirer was the one that caught Jeff Bezos red-handed cheating on his wife. And what did we hear? That his wife is filing for divorce and she gets half. And he said – and this is where it gets really interesting. Hopefully the paper will soon be placed in better and more responsible hands – indicating that possibly the wife might end up with the Washington Post, um, which would be interesting. And, you know, once you're divorced, there's no spousal um, protection, right? 
if yeah. you're divorced, um, you know, no one can invoke that and say you were my spouse and you can't talk. Uh, but it's pretty interesting. You know, he's calling out the people that are responsible. Remember, Jeff Bozo the Clown is actually one of – he holds the keys to the intelligence community right now. Every time you go onto a Congress website and you download a PDF, take a look that it says Amazon at the top while you're trying to pull the document. They hold all our cloud services. I mean, Google was pretty salty about it, but because Amazon in the public eye let everyone know that they're handing over all their facial recognition and audio recognition data to the FBI and CIA. They told everyone, if you have an Alexa, we're sending it all to them. If you have, you know, um, one of those, um, what is it? It's not the echo. Is it the echo spot that has the video camera in it or something like that? If you have that, we're sending the facial recognition. Yeah. That one we're sending the facial recognition. They made an announcement. It was in the mainstream media. So they won the contract because they offered to provide all your private information to them. So, you know, the president calling him out means that he's got that on his wavelength and he knows exactly what's up. And I mean, what are your thoughts on that? On, on the Amazon contracts? Well, not only well, that, well, him calling him Bozo too. Oh, well, Jeff Bezos though has had inside intelligence contracts for a long time. He's been working with the DOD. He's really in essence a utility at this point. I mean, he is, he has done a lot of work, uh, in a, at, a, at a very high level, at a very top secret level with the cloud technology and the other things you mentioned. But yeah, he's done for years. This is not new uh, for going back 10, 20 years. Uh, you know, and his, his intimate relationship with the post office, you know, where the post office is literally, you know, losing money on those transactions. Um, you know, and the taxpayers are basically making Bezos richer than rich. And now it's going to be cut in half. He's no longer, she's going to be the richest woman in the world after this is all said and done. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. You know, interestingly enough, red, red state talk radio, you know, our, our headquarters is in Arlington in the, inside the beltway in DC. Um, it's going to be about a block or two blocks away from where Amazon's headquarters are going to be. And I don't think that's changing anytime soon, despite all the new developments that are happening. But it's interesting well, uh, I'm, what's happening. I'm, I, I find that all the tweets that our president tells us pretty much, pretty much is laying out what's going on. I know this week for a fact, and you heard it here first, Pelosi is going to be in uh, the news cycle for unfavorable reasons. And that's... um. That's something that's necessary because the Speaker of the House and number three on the list to take presidency, God forbid something happened to our number one and number two. Um, it's important that people realize um, just who she is uh, because all we see is someone that may or may not have suffered strokes and talks and forgets while she's talking. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I was watching, I have Fox News uh, screen on the background and I'm. I got to say, William Barr gives me the skeevies. <laughs> I'm looking at William Barr, and I just don't get that whole thing. I mean, I definitely, you and I were talking about the idea that um, William Barr, uh, you know, like like we were talking about Mitt Romney and Bob Corker 
and the investigations that went on there or the Kavanaugh deep dive on him may have revealed some things about Vince Foster's sealed documents. I I just wonder what uh, the deep investigation uh, learned about Robert Mueller, uh, who happens to be like BFFs with William Barr. And uh, and then there's uh, Zachary Terwilliger and Rod Rosenstein. And it's like, man, that whole thing doesn't make sense. And not only that, but you see on both sides trends that seem to be in conflict with the, with each other. Uh, the Democrats and Republicans both seem to be split on this particular nominee. There's a lot of uh, requests for assurances. Right. And, you know, we're finding out that he's going to be um, recusing himself from the AT&T Time Warner merger. That's a bad uh, deal right there. Then he's thinking about recusing himself from the Mueller, uh, overseeing the Mueller investigation because he's too close and there's too many conflicts of interest there where their, their wives go to Bible school and they've went to their daughter's weddings and it's just uh, a crazy, crazy um, thing. But I think that uh, I seriously, like you, I, th- I think you, I doubt that he's going to pass through the confirmation process. Yeah, me neither. Process. I don't even think that maybe, you know, he could say, you know what? Whitaker's doing such a great job. Let's keep him. You know, I, I would love that, actually. <laughs> because, Whitaker, yes. yeah, I would love that because he is making a lot of moves. We're seeing a lot of people resigning, a lot of people being fired. And a lot of this is actually going underreported because for lower level, I would say, or mid-level employees, um, you know, news of that doesn't go out. But what we were, remember, we had this discussion before where, um, when the president decides to nominate someone, he doesn't just like sit down and say, all right, here's who I think. There's an advisory board that there's always a contingency plan, right? And Jeff Sessions leaving was planned. We knew that he was going to leave at some point. So obviously he had a list. In order to get this list, which has been done over a year ago, uh, you've got legit wiretaps, communication taps, pen register did the whole nine yards. So anything there is to find out about William Barr is there. I mean, we found out that he was sipping margaritas with, you know, Noriega on in Costa Rica, you know, talking about, you know, where's my money, you know? And then, you know, we have Noriega. million dollars yeah. that Hillary stole. Yeah. It, and it was Hillary. I mean, she ran away with the China. Of course she ran away with that. And then how they set up, you know, Barry Seal and, uh, you know, Noriega. Noriega was in prison, but that doesn't mean he wasn't talking to people who went to visit visit him. So, you know, it's very interesting how you said he gives you the heebie-jeebies. Wait till you're in a room with him. Uh, you know, I, I'm not, you know, one of those fruity, granola-munching, spiritual-type people, but I can tell you that uh, from a scientific perspective, uh, you know, we resonate certain energies, right? Our cells do. They vibrate at all times. You know, contrary to popular belief, we're not a solid mass. We are a conglomerate of cells that are just very proximal to each other that gives us the illusion that we are solid mass. So we do vibrate at frequencies, man. His frequency, like Joe Biden's, super creepy. 
creepy. Super creepy yeah. and How about scary. Rod Rosenstein? How about uh, Adam Schiff? I mean, they all resonate creepiness. Is it, well, Schiff looks super creepy. Have you noticed like now that he's like pulling up front and now they bring in Cohen for questions? It's like, what are you trying to do? This guy has already been found to have lied, suddenly changed his story. Now you want to bring him here? Why do they? Cons- why are they constantly bringing liars to testify? Well, you know what? The answer to that question is this. See, the Democrats, they want to uh, bring up impeachment charges, but they can't so long as Mueller is continuing with his investigation. Mueller, we know, is not going to give up the investigation because that's the only thing keeping him safe is if you go after Mueller, then you're going to have, you're going to get hit, hooked up with impeachment because of instru- obstruction. So Mueller knows he's safe as so long as he's in, in doing the investigation. There's a lot of pressure on him to wrap it up. And at some point, he's going to have to because he's going to have no case to even talk about. So the Democrats understand that Mueller's not Mueller is sort of like their protection piece on the that, that has access to the inside. He was the insurance policy. So that's the problem there. So then what happens is they say, well, how how else are we going to bring up impeachment charges? Oh, I know. We're going to get Michael Cohen to come on. He's going to say a few damning things, and we're going to use his word to bring up impeachment charges. The only problem is Michael Cohen's a known liar who sold out to you know, help out his father-in-law and you know, his family and get a lesser prison sentence. Okay. So that fact, they're going to take his words and apply legitimacy and integrity to them. And then they're going to proceed with the impeachment uh, situation as they always wanted to, but they're going to use instead of Mueller's report and his wrap up to do it, they're going to use Michael Cohen's testimony. That's all they got right now. They're desperate. And that's not going to fly. We know that because you need two thirds Senate vote uh, after the House does whatever they want to do. Uh, But that's exactly where they are. And you think about it. Bill Clinton was brought up on impeachment. And how did that work out? He got reelected because the American population was like, this is ridiculous. You guys have nothing, never any ounce of proof. Yet you want to somehow deny voters their due process of and their, their vote. Right. That, that's true. But the point is, is that they're bringing liars constantly to the forefront. And, you know, these congressional hearings, Senate oversight, whatever you want to, all of those are just bogus. Because if you look into it, like even the Facebook hearing, every single one of those clowns asking Facebook questions is like a million and more um, knee deep in Facebook stock. So it's not like they would penalize Facebook or talk bad about Facebook because that is going to personally cost them couple million dollars so they're all of a charade and you know they're using our halls of congress and and senate you know as as just a tool and it's just demeaning to the very foundations of our government for me now one thing that i wanted to uh you know kind of poke your head about is um I don't know if I've ever told you, but one of my most favorite rugs that I have um, at my mother's home uh, is is one that I purchased in Tehran, right? This is, we're talking 20 years ago. 
the most amazing rug. Now, when I was there, uh, Iran itself was uh, kind of like what you would expect now, but it wasn't so Islamified. Does that make sense? It was a little yeah. bit still, you know, still a little cosmopolitan, but not really as long as you didn't stay there too long. Right. Um, and that was mm-hmm. an emphasis that they had. They kind of like asked me, how long are you going to be here? And it's like, I don't know, like three days. I'm just checking out your goods and stuff. You know, that's basically it. And even my hotel would ask me and sign a paper that says that I'm leaving at that time. <laughs> it was pretty creepy. Um, uh, but here's the thing. Uh, Pompeo made an interesting statement earlier. He said that the United States would like to support Iranian citizens to take control of Iran. Now, you know, I'm all for that because the Iranians want to go to Iran the way it used to be because they still remember the time before Peter Strzok's father went there and destroyed everything. And pretty much this, the whole country went tits up, you know, with removing the regime, comedy, whole deal that happened, you know, in, in, in the late 70s and 77, 78. So, um, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I'm pretty excited about that because if the people of Iran take over and uh, the United States empowers them, uh, that would give us a lot more leverage against the but globalists. That's, that's what the, the left is trying to create incentives for caravans to invade our country. Um, we, what we are doing is we're doing the same thing, but only in, a, I think, a more, um, a more respectable way is we're trying to empower people, the citizens of Iran, not the invaders to Iran, but we're trying to create incentives and empower the citizens of Iran by saying not only uh, you're, will we support you, but we will create incentives for you. Uh, and we advocate for you to actually gain control back from, you know, get control back from your country uh, and, the, and the rogue leaders that have destroyed your country. So we're basically saying, don't give up the fight. Continue onward and upward. We will back you and support you. And all, not only that, but it's not just enough to be a yellow jacket fighting in the streets like in France, uh, because that's just fighting for fighting's sake. What, what's the end game? Uh, with Iran, uh, what you're looking at is you're looking at a process, uh, a direction, you know, like a a goal. And uh, so because if you fight in the streets without a goal, without a plan B or without a follow up strategy, uh, it's going to just kind of stop in the wind. But I think what's what I think that plan is brilliant, actually, Tori, when you think about it. And Pompeo, he's one of the brilliant people in the cabinet. He is super smart. And I think that's a brilliant idea because not only does it give them the juice, but it gives them the direction and it gives them an end game. Right. And here's the thing. Uh, The fact that uh, we have now told Iran that we are willing to help them and support them in taking back their country, we have to understand that Iran, if you look at them from a macro perspective, 75% are just citizens that are being oppressed. 10% are actually, uh, you know, Iranian dictators or, you know, the overlords, I would say. Another 10% are ISIS and 5% are the influencers from the European Union via Turkey. Uh, This will cause even more stress uh, between our country and Turkey, which, like I've mentioned many times before, is the hub for all oil distribution to Europe. And the thing about Turkey, and I've I've mentioned many times, is that uh, 
the Arabs themselves, uh, the Islamic, I would say, nations themselves have excluded Turkey because they do not act appropriately. And so what I foresee, because I've already started seeing the signs of the stress that they're getting now with our president uh, inferring sanctions if people are buying Russian oil and gas, which means Turkey's not selling it, so they're not making money, right? is them attacking or feeling the waters um, to get into it with Greece because now they're starting to be very aggressive toward them. And this is where Merkel came in last week to assure the Greeks that they're there with them and they won't let Turkey do anything. But think about it. Would the European Union really support Greece when Turkey holds the key to all their oil and gas? So, and this is where they're scared because Russia is coming straight to Greece and saying, hey, you know, we'll help you. We'll provide financial aid. And if you want to break free and just be independent, like they're doing what we're saying to Iran. They came out to the countries like Serbia and Greece and other Yugoslav, former Yugoslav uh, nations and said, hey, if you want out of the EU, we'll give you some financial aid. We'll help. And we could all make money off of these pipelines and, you know, and we'll help you break free and give you some money. And this is what we're saying to the Iranians is you don't have to be prisoners. Uh, you can take back your country. And that's the same thing that Russia did so timely in December. And now, you know, with President Trump throwing gas to that fire right now, um, the European Union is really stuck in, you know, a really hard place. And, and Turkey with Iran being, you know, offered that option is probably in panic mode. And, uh, you know, this for me is terrifying in regards to stability in that. This nation. is the next pivot too, is things are going to stabilize in Syria. Uh, we're going to warm our relations with Russia and together we are going to flip things upside down. Europe already is struggling because they're no longer getting the gravy train, uh, through trade, uh, renegotiations that they were once getting china is you know taking a 37 percent hit in their uh markets uh we the only concern we have to have is we don't want to win too much because we don't want to weaken the world economy so much uh but at the same time uh i think enough to a certain degree sanctions lower oil prices that we've achieved through demands on and pressures on saudi arabia iran has been pretty much i think brought to their knees i think they're a lot they're struggling a lot worse than we could even imagine we have not heard peep from them we've not heard a peep and at this point i think that the leverage is in trump's hands and it's amazing that he was able to do that after eight years of obama destabilizing the middle east and empowering iran in a way that was just ridiculous uh, i'm surprised that trump has had so great of a success in the middle east with his own foreign policy than he has actually had which is pretty amazing when you think about uh, all the trade negotiations with uh, north america with china uh, with with the um, conflict with Korea. I mean, it's absolutely stunning that Trump has not been president for even two years yet. And this is, the, look at all of his accomplishments.
And no one's talking about them. That's what's insane, too. And and the plan is, is because the at the rate that our president is fixing things outside our borders, right, and gaining the right partners and formulating the right relationships and making them healthy rather than one-sided or, like Pompeo said, apologetic uh, – you know, this means that, like you said, the economies are suffering outside of the United States. Ours is booming. And if indeed this be the year, which I hope not, um, I hope he keeps it till after he gets reelected, um, that we switch over to a gold-backed currency, that would mean a complete collapse of the global economy. And I think these are the conversations that are being had, um, providing power back to the people of these nations. Pompeo's speech was just that with the Egyptians. And everywhere he goes, it's the same message of providing a more um, people-controlled, government everywhere because that is how we have healthy competition and that is how we can survive through the ages as independent countries and people you could see their body language is happy that america is leading from a forward position again uh that you you did have a lot of liberals that were elitists that were sort of like yeah yeah to obama you know like yeah you, you it's great to see you apologizing for your your country um that was all wrong and you could see now that there's not this appeasement and without America running the, you know, leading in the world, uh, the world was a rudderless ship, a rudderless ship. And, and now people really, I think, feel confident and good about the steward, stewarding that, uh, that Trump is actually giving to the world now. He's being a good steward of this. America has been that shining star on the hill, the, the, the richest, most successful country that's not, gone out of their, that's not gone out of their way to try to overtake other countries or dominate the world in any, any aggressive manner. Uh, we're just basically uh, providing a guiding light for the world and instilling confidence in the world. Uh, and I think it's great. And you can see the body language is full of admiration and respect for the Trump administration and Donald Trump himself. Well, that's the only reason why um, we're making headway with China. Because culturally, if you're weak, you're not someone that I will entertain any conversations with. You know, mm-hmm. so, so that, is, that is a huge deal. Uh, you know, there's so much. I really, I really feel for the president every time he tweets like, why can't they report on how great our numbers are, how people are working, how businesses are booming, how all of this is happening? Like, why can't they? Why can't they? Because they don't want people to know how successful he is. They just want to drive the narrative and drown out, hey, the message is our economy is fine. So if the world is on fire, don't worry about it. Within our borders, we are fine. Because that is the message that we will need to resonate when this global economic collapse happens because it'll start with the eu and we're seeing the beginning of it with all these revolts and protests and and looting and defiance and discussions with other countries that the eu member states are having so absolutely I've, so yeah no, the, and it's a trickle down it's a domino effect around the world all the but our economy is going to be solvent but china's economy not so much 
Well, China is very interdependent in a way, even though they dominate um, with the European Union and other Asian nations. But, you know, we're seeing a trend that uh, EU member states are talking with other nations. We're seeing African nations talking with other nations. I mean, there's a lot of conversations happening, and this is making them very nervous. So the only thing Mm -hmm. they have left is to make sure that every single American is in the dark, doesn't understand what's going on. So when the global economies collapse and we see the EU on fire that we get scared that it's going to affect us. Um, Scott, I am so thankful for you being on today. I always enjoy our conversations. Um, yeah, me too. I always too. do. And tomorrow we're going to be talking about the USMCA. Uh, we're going to be breaking that down. Hopefully Joe Poole can call because we'll be talking about funding Islam uh, in Afghanistan and in Iran, uh, something that I kind of hinted to with the pipelines. Until then, from all of us here at Red State, we wish you a happy and healthy evening. And thanks for spending your afternoon with us. Bye-bye.